Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dear Heart Podcast. I don't know about you, but I am enjoying this weekend. It is a beautiful Saturday here in Cincinnati, Ohio. We just put up all of our lawn furniture, so I know we're getting this out a little late, but uh, we were just enjoying this morning. So I'm so grateful for your patience as you waited for this podcast, and I'm so grateful that you're continuing to read along with us as we study the mighty God himself this week. So without further ado, we're going to jump into today's podcast, and Fred is going to read from 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. After the Philistines had captured the Ark of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashdod, brought it into the Temple of Dagon, and placed it next to his statue. Now, during this time in history, battles between humans were ultimately seen as battles between their gods. That's why the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant and placed it before their god Dagon. In their eyes, Dagon had won the battle, and so the Ark was brought to rest at his feet in a position of submission. However, the Ark of the Covenant was no ordinary object. You can read about it in Exodus 25 and look it up look up drawings of it online. It was beautiful. But more importantly, it was where God's presence rested. See, God is not submissive to anything. And in his presence, all idols fall. Verse three, when the people of Ashdod got up early the next morning, there was Dagon fallen with his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and returned him to his place. But when they got up early the next morning, there was Dagon, fallen with his face to the ground before the Ark of the Lord. This time, Dagon's head and both of his hands were broken off and lying on the threshold. Only Dagon's torso remained. That is why, still today, the priests of Dagon and everyone who enters the temple of Dagon in Ashdod do not step on Dagon's threshold. See, the image of Dagon could not stand before the presence of the living God. Can I get an amen? Even his hands were cut off, which is how warriors in that day counted the kills in battle. God doesn't need a human army to be victorious over his enemies. I'm going to say that again. God does not need a human army to be victorious over his enemies. God had taken down Dagon literally. No one could change it and no one could stop it. And that made the Philistines shiver in fear. But that's not the end of the story. The Lord's hand was heavy on the people of Ashdod. He terrified the people of Ashdod and its territory and afflicted them with tumors. When the people of Ashdod saw what was happening, they said, The Ark of Israel's God must not stay here with us because his hand is strongly against us and our god, Dagon. So they called all the Philistine rulers together and asked, What should we do with the Ark of Israel's God? The Ark of Israel's God should be moved to Gath, they replied. So they moved the Ark of Israel's God. After they had moved it, the Lord's hand was against the city of Gath, causing a great panic. He afflicted the people of the city from the youngest to the oldest with an outbreak of tumors. The people of Gath then sent the ark of God to Ekron. But when it got there, the Ekronites cried out, They've moved the ark of Israel's God to us to kill us and our people. 
the Ekronites called all the Philistine rulers together and they said, send the ark of Israel's God away. Let it return to its place so it won't kill us and our people. For the fear of death pervaded the city. God's hand was oppressing them. Those who did not die were afflicted with tumors and the outcry of the city went up to heaven. The Ark of the Covenant was not a prize to be kept. Our God is not to be held captive by anyone or anything. The Philistines were learning this quickly and painfully. And so they sought to return the Ark of the Covenant to Israel. When the Ark of the Lord had been in Philistine territory for seven months, the Philistines summoned the priests and the diviners and pleaded, What should we do with the Ark of the Lord? Tell us how we can send it back to its place. They replied, If you send the Ark of Israel's God away, do not send it without an offering. Send back a guilt offering to him, and you will be healed. Then the reason his hand hasn't been removed from you will be revealed. They asked, What guilt offering should we send back to him? And they answered, Five gold tumors and five gold mice, corresponding to the number of Philistine rulers, since there was one plague for both of you and your rulers. Make images of your tumors and of your mice that are destroying the land. Give glory to Israel's God, and perhaps he will stop oppressing you, your gods, and your land. Why harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened theirs? When he afflicted them, didn't they send Israel away and Israel left? The diviners tell the Philistines to give glory to God's to Israel's God. It's ironic that the people of foreign lands were praising the one true God when the Israelites, God's chosen people, had forgotten him. It's also ironic that the Philistines remember the way God's sovereignty was on display during the exodus from Egypt, but the Israelites have forgotten the goodness of God that's been poured out on them over the generations. Oh, may that not be true of us. Now, then... Prepare one new cart and two milk cows that have never been yoked. Hitch the cows to the cart, but take their calves away and pen them up. Take the ark of the Lord, place it on the cart, and put the gold objects that you're sending him as a guilt offering in a box besides the ark. Send it off and let it go its way. Then watch. If it goes up the road to its homeland towards Beth Shemesh, it is the Lord who has made this terrible trouble for us. However, if it doesn't, We will know that it was not his hand that punished us. It was just something that happened to us by chance. The men did this. They took two milk cows, hitched them to the cart, and confined their calves to the pen. Then they put the ark of the Lord on the cart, along with the box containing the gold mice and the images of the tumors. The cows went straight up the road to Beth Shemesh. They stayed on that one highway, lowing as they went. They never strayed to the left or to the right. The Philistine rulers were walking behind them to the territory of Beth Shemesh. The people of Beth Shemesh were harvesting wheat in the valley, and when they looked up and saw the ark, they were overjoyed to see it. The cart came to the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh and stopped there next to a large rock. The people of the city chopped up the cart and offered the cows as burnt offerings to the Lord. 
The Levites removed the Ark of the Lord along with the box containing the gold objects and placed them on the large rock. That day, the people of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and made sacrifices to the Lord. When the five Philistine rulers observed this, they returned to Ekron the same day. I don't want us to miss this very specific act of God. The milk cows walked away. The milk cows were walking down the road, and that is a miracle on its own, and it is an act of God. You see, these mothers, these cows, they left their baby calves crying in their pens, and they didn't turn back. Do you know how wild this is? It's unlikely for any mother to walk away from her crying little one, but it's even more unlikely for them to not turn back after walking a ways down the lane. But you know what? They just kept going forward. They were unused to pulling a cart, and normally they would have balked at the weight of it, but they kept walking forward. God kept their focus for a reason. He wanted the Ark of the Covenant to return to its rightful home. And he made that happen. Our powerful God works in many different ways. Our mighty God is capable of so much more than we can imagine. He is the ultimate victor and all idols fall at his feet. Let's surrender our lives to him today and ask him to make our paths straight, just like the cows. Let's pray. Father, we celebrate your victory over all idols, all gods, and that you reign victorious over our minds and our hearts most of all. Father, we we give you those things today. We lay down the distractions and the compromises we have made. We, We grieve those things. Help us look anew, be fresh, and have a fresh perspective of the world around us, Father. Fill us with your your eyes. Help us see others. Help us love others well. Father, help us to remain focused on you. Amen. All right, so we're going to end with a challenge today. See, God describes his ideal offering in Leviticus 5, 14 through 19. It says, if someone offends by sinning unintentionally in regard to any of the Lord's holy things, he must bring his penalty for guilt to the Lord. An unblemished ram from the flock, based on your assessment of its value in silver shekels, according to the sanctuary shekel, as a guilt offering. He is to make restitution for his sin regarding any holy thing, adding a fifth of its value to it and give it to the priest. Then the priest will make atonement on his behalf with the ram of the guilt offering and he will be forgiven. I know that was a lot, but I want you to think about this. What does it tell you about God that he accepted the Philistines guilt offering, even though it didn't fit the prescribed offering in Leviticus? What do we learn about his grace when we don't know how to honor him in an unexpected gray area of life? I invite you to discuss these questions with family or friends this weekend. To God be the glory.